Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
What's up, football fans? We're back. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, we last uh, were, were on screen here for Belly Up back in uh, December, or early January, I believe, um, at the end of the, the regular season, uh, end of the fantasy playoffs, essentially. Uh, but we're back. We're, we're super excited um, to be talking about some of the things that have happened throughout the offseason since we've last um, you know, gotten to just again be on the screen here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm super stoked. Uh, so welcome in. This, of course, is Belly Up Fantasy Live. I'm your host, uh, Adam LaRue at Lerad, LaRue Adam. Uh, here, of course, Chris Dowhauer is joining us as always. Um, Chris, excited to have you. We, ha- we haven't spoken a little bit uh, more recently than the last show, but still been a little bit. How's it going? Been going pretty good. Um, you know, we talked about wrapping up the season. We saw the, the LA Rams with the Super Bowl champions. Uh, the yes. surprising Cincinnati Bengals made an incredible run. Um, you know, we like you talked about our season kind of ended with the fantasy season, and I think our fantasy season kind of kicks off with this show in a lot of ways because my favorite part of the season, no matter on or off the field, is definitely the off season, and we're going to kind of kick into a little bit of that today. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to talk about some of the juicy stuff. And uh, I, I agree, I'm always an off-season guy. Uh, the off-season is so fun. And this one in particular, and we're going to you know quickly jump into some of the moves that have happened, but this off-season in particular has been a very uh, exciting one, an eventful one. Um, a lot of moving pieces. And we're not even to the draft yet. There, there's still a bunch of things um, still yet to happen, yet to come. Um, a lot of quarterbacks that could go in the first, a lot of great receiver talent. Um, so much still to happen. That's just from the fantasy side, not even the the overall NFL side. So a lot that could happen. Uh, again, let's just jump straight in here. Uh, we're going to start off um, with, with just some of our top moves. We're going to do two a person offseason moves. We're going to start with teams, move into some players. Um, give it that fantasy twist, but still just kind of break in here um, with some overarching moves. And Chris, we'll we'll kick it off with you. Well, we talked about those, you know, those Super Bowl winning LA Rams, and I think they kind of set a precedent of maybe how to win a championship, which kind of mm-hmm. seems to have kicked off this offseason. You see teams trying to be desperate, making huge moves to quarterback position, and you know, going after that top tier talent, which seems to be the you know the, the thing that kind of you know stars you win championships. It is there's usually the theory, so. Rams kind of showed that. Let's see the offseason is kind of kind of kicking off with that. So one of those teams, you know, definitely I think you have to talk about when the belly ups from you this offseason um, is going to have to be the Denver Broncos. You finally solved the quarterback position. I have my, um, you know, personal things. I'm not a huge Russell Wilson fan personally uh, on a personal level, but I can admit that he's definitely a good quarterback and it's great to see the Denver Broncos actually have somebody to throw to those talented receivers. I know Noah Fant kind of moved west, um, but no loss, for, I think, for the rest of those guys. I think that everybody in Denver is going to be quite happy to have a quarterback they haven't had in, since Peyton Manning, probably. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos upgraded pretty heavily, no question. I personally, uh, I guess just an aside, I feel so bad for Noah Fant. I mean, uh, his, I, I'm sure he knew uh, beforehand, but to hear that Russell Wilson's coming to town, that he's not going to be a part of it, that's got to really sting. Uh, and if you're a, a dynasty guy uh, and had Noah Fant, that also hurt, especially hearing breaking news, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, and then 20 minutes later, Noah Fant is headed going to the other way. Going the other way um, to a, a pretty much similar situation to what he's been dealing with um, for, 
for a while now. Um, gosh, I, I think I've got to stay in the in the division uh, for my first one, and, and you could really pick any team in there, and probably <laughs> probably for this, but I'm going to go with the Chargers just as a football team. I think they've done a really good job. The Khalil Mack move, especially um, bringing back Mike Williams on a contract that isn't my favorite. Think they overpaid him. However, uh, they did need to bring him back uh, or, or, you know, replace him, but ideally bring him back. Um, it, it was just something they had to have. He allowed them uh, when healthy, when fully healthy, especially um, to be less predictable. Uh, you know, it wasn't just the the Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler show. Um, they, they really could do could be a lot more varied um, in, in a division that is going to be I don't ever recall seeing a division this good top to bottom ever. Uh, so in a division like that, they're going to need to be varied. So to go, you get a very good edge rusher. Khalil Mack isn't the force he once was, but he's gone from maybe a top five or so NFL player that he once was to still being a very, very, very good edge rusher. Um, so they did yeah. a, a pretty good job this offseason. I was going to say, having a Bosa on the other side kind of helps, even if you're coming coming down a little bit on your skill level. We saw Von Miller kind of still having the Donald get a lot of attention. I think that it's not going to hurt this man either. So, yeah, great point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, wh- what do you got next? Uh, so, my other team that I'm going to go for, one of the teams, um, Fantasy Ups, I'm going to go for the – I kind of have a, a tough situation of kind of I'm going around with my still in my head. Um I think that there's definitely a win situation in Green Bay, but I think I'm going to save them for a little bit later to talk about. Um, I do think that the Washington football team, now named as the was it the Admirals? Sorry, I still have Commanders. Commanders. <laughs> um, I got I'm probably said for the Washington football team. Um, yeah, I think that they had one of the nice situations that they really made a nice move on getting Carson Wentz when they buy cheap value from the Colts. This team also really seeks a quarterback. One of the missing pieces they have now, people can have argue whether Carson Wentz is the answer or not. That's definitely debatable. But I can tell you, he's definitely better than Tyler Henke. He's definitely better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's definitely better than what they've been kind of running out there, Kyle Allen. So I think anything of upgrade around some of the talent that you have, especially Terry McLaurin, like Gibson, you have, a, you have a team that's kind of coming up on a lot of ways, weapons wise, to add a couple more pieces here or there, but definitely has some talent in place. Good defense was supposed to be at least on paper, should kind of get back on track this year. Um, and I think that you add a quarterback that can actually play pretty decently, put them in the division also is kind of exciting to kind of see. So I'm going to give the Washington football team and the commanders the oh, my belly ups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong there. I can have my own beliefs about uh, Carson Wentz, but there's really no question. Um, <laughs> he's certainly better than anything that the commanders have trotted out there in a long time, uh, <laughs> at least since Kirk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and giving up a second or third rounder is really not going to, you know, we're going to find better value than necessarily about a quarterback for that either. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, 100%. Uh, they've certainly upgraded there uh, for the first time in, in a while. Um, so I, I got to, again, have to agree there. Um, this one's interesting, but I got to throw it out there just because uh, things have been up and down since we've last spoke. The Buccaneers have had a, a belly up off season by not getting worse. That um, was looking very not great for a moment there. Uh, and, and now it seems very much so like everything's going to be all right. Like they're going to continue to be a contender in 
the the most lopsided <laughs> NFL we've ever seen, where the NFC is just wide open. Um, you know, there's say three real contenders in there, and the Buccaneers with Brady coming back are one of them. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so the the Brady comeback in and of itself, getting Godwin back. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just those things in and of themselves, of course, you know, they, they added a couple of pieces. They resigned a handful of pieces. Um, you know, just being able to keep that team together really gives them a massive offseason because that's all they needed to do. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the Brady thing really saved a lot of things. And you see a lot, you even still guys taking you know, less deals. Davis came back, as you talked about, you know, kind of long lesser deals. He can go out in open market. So the Brady effect definitely is a huge effect for Tampa Bay. Definitely one of the belly ups for this offseason. I totally agree with that. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, so from that, we can kind of move into um, some players who throughout the offseason have really benefited from some of this movement. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and start on this one. Uh, it's one of the more obvious ones, and probably a point that's been belabored, uh, so we can kind of speed through it. But Jerry Judy uh, and really the Broncos receiving group um, are certainly some big benefactors here. Um, you know, just everyone who touches the ball in, in Denver um, has has had their stock massively increase. Um, they're they're no longer getting passes from the ball from the likes of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, kind of like you said, this is at definitely the best situation they've been in quarterback wise since Peyton Manning. Um, so yeah, and that's been a while. Uh, it's been a handful of years. Um, so, so yeah, so to see them, you know, finally get a quarterback uh, with all of the explosive weapons, all the really talented weapons. I mean, um, even even Hamler. And some of the guys further down the depth chart, I think, have some talent, but they've just not been able to showcase it. Um, you know, that team's headed in a really good direction. Yeah, the key is going to be this offensive line. You know, that was kind of the problem in Seattle in a lot of way different ways. The Denver line is definitely better than that line is. Um, you guys see it's going to pass protect. Russell Wilson's kind of going to blame somewhat to do with that as well. But I think he made an excellent point about the weapons he has in place. I mean, he's got a loaded backfield. He's got a loaded talent everywhere. Receiving core kind of translates really kind of well as the receiving core kind of just left in a sense. Lockett kind of plays that Judy role. You have Sutton kind of playing a DK Metcalf role. It's not like he's kind of learning new guys necessarily to throw the ball to in a sense. So I think it's going to be a comfortable fit for all those. And well, it's an excellent point. Yeah. Who do you got player wise? Um, so of my one of my players I'm going to go with, and this is where I was kind of stumbled along before earlier. Because this team also, I think, is going to be uh, something to be, in, you know, to be reckoned with right now. But I'm going to go with Joe Burrow as one of the big winners because they got Brandon, um, they got an offensive tackle, they got offensive protection inside at the guard position. And I think having this man be protected, you saw the weapons they have in place with Jamar Chase, Higgins, um, Boyd. I think this team's going to continue to be, you know, locked and loaded, ready to go. And hey, we have some extra holes for Joe Mixon also to kind of run the ball through. This is going to make a lot of easy fronts for them to kind of pick through. This team and his quarterback in particular is really going to excel. You talked about these, you know, early Rams teams where Kurt Warner's put huge numbers back then in fantasy. Jared Goff, you know, earlier on and putting up good fantasy numbers. Because Joe Burrow is going to be one of those top fantasy guys, I think, right now as as things stand to have in the roster. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow, <laughs> Joe and Joe there in Cincinnati, Joe, yeah. have had a great offseason just adding offensive linemen. Um, you know, getting a handful of guys in there that uh, Joe Mixon has been there for seemingly forever, and he's still young by 
running back standards, but or not young, but middle-aged, I guess, by running back standards. Um, he's younger than one would expect for how long he's been there. Is, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, and he hasn't had to get off the line for most of his career. No, so I think he's really not at all. <laughs> you really can't focus on this guy. We've seen, you know, Marshall Falk. We've seen, um, you know, recently the Rams running backs do really excel in this in this system. I think this is a you know, this offense in general has a lot of great pieces in place. They just needed to kind of a little bit better, better protection. They got it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so from a player perspective, I think my second guy, and this is going to be one that. I think is at the detriment of, of the team. But I think from a fantasy perspective, I mean, <laughs> their stock has definitely not been any higher. James Conner is in a really interesting spot right now, like a very, very interesting spot where he could be a full workhorse back and one that was already um, due to a combination of reasons, getting an absurd amount of work in the red zone. Uh, he could be the guy catching the ball out of the backfield and doing pretty much everything else going forward. Uh, you, you know, not not everything is said and done. They could add someone to the draft. There's still some talented free agents out there. But given the contract that they gave to him, I think that they believe he's going to be the workhorse guy for them. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Drake kind of have that role. We think, that, you know, they're going to have somebody kind of, maybe well, there's an Eno Benjamin or they bring somebody else in to kind of have a little scat back role to kind of rotate in there. But Jan Connor will be an RB1. The only question I have for him is for how long? Uh, this came up, you know, on MDU's fantasy football show last week, and I asked, I brought up the topic where I love James Conner and I love the fit. As you talked about, is the offense going to be there RB one, and you have a potential to put up great numbers in the system? Is it going to be for four, six, eight games? Um, you know, everybody's like, wait till he gets his chance. He got his chance last year for three games, and he got injured. When in Pittsburgh, he had his chance year in, year out, got injured. So will it be a repeat of that? Because as long as this man's healthy, absolutely, you want to take him as an RB one. Where you draft him now is going to be a little more interesting because you have to take all all that extra baggage in the sense that comes with it. So yeah, I love James Conner as well. I think it's an absolute great fit for him, absolute great fit for fantasy wise. But I am a little bit worried about you know just how long that will last. Yeah, agreed, agreed. There, um, we're going to kind of flip this thing on its head. Well, no, you have one more, don't you? Uh, yeah. So for another um, player that I think definitely benefited in this on all these different transactions and moves is going to have to be Devontae Adams. Um, not necessarily because I think that he's going to go anywhere and have a better situation statistically fantasy-wise, but overall on, a fantasy, on the football field, I think the Raiders are a good fit for him. I think he's in a situation where he can kind of not be, take all the attention necessarily, kind of transition as he gets a little bit older, still kind of have an opportunity to shine. I think Green Bay is going to be too much for him to continue to be asked to be the, the guy year, year in, year out. Um, and I think the situation in general just kind of fits the team on, on ascend well, I think the other situation he's moving maybe not in the same you know same direction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what an offseason as a whole uh, for the Raiders. I mean, that was a team. I mean, for a little bit there, I was like, yeah, like they are stuck at the bottom of a very good division. Like the only way out is to blow it up. And they, I guess, figured out the only other way out, which was <laughs> to go and add one of the best offensive players in the league and be like, hey, we're going to be a very legitimate part of this like all-time historically great division. Um, and I could like someone has to get left out there and I don't know who it's gonna be. Like I like it genuinely could be be anyone, and I really wouldn't be that shocked. Um, just <laughs> it's insane. But yeah, that was a fantastic move uh, adding Devontae. 
sure doesn't help in December and January being in Vegas versus Green Bay either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he a belly up for him on that alone. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah, maybe a... that's why I'm giving it to him. I'm a little jealous of what he's going to be enjoying. <laughs> Absolutely, and with the the bag that he received uh, upon upon making it to Las Vegas. Um, but yeah, I was getting a little ahead of myself. Now we are going to flip this on its head and hit the belly flops um, for again the teams and the players. Over um, over the course of the offseason thus far, um, I'll go ahead and get this one started. I think the Jaguars have just continued to add one add mediocrity and two a lot of it being either a on bad contracts, b in positions they really didn't need it, or c both. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's just they haven't got – they've gotten better, but not a lot I've better. They, like barely by a fraction, and they've spent a ton of money. Uh, and, and contracts that a, a handful of them are like, you know, three <laughs> in the case of Kirk, four years long. Um, they're paying Kirk like a top ten receiver who was, you know, yet to have a thousand-yard season. Um, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, it, it could be the Colts bias shining through, but they've they've no. had a, a rough, rough off season. Um, after a, I guess the upside for the Jags is it still isn't their worst off season in the last two years. However, <laughs> it's still not been great. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't have much to say. It's I mean, not, you traded not... for a tight end during last season. And then you sign one to a ten million dollar deal this season or this off season. And That's actually one of the better deals they offered. I thought as well. Yeah, so. exactly. In a vacuum, I think that was a fine contract. One year, prove it deal for Evan Ingram is fine. Um, and actually, I I wouldn't care about the trade if it wasn't for the fact the bulky did both. This isn't like a regime switch as far as the the GM goes. Well, I think that's Dan Arnold was his guy, too. <laughs> no, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think that this has been, obviously, and I was going for a little, that Jacksonville has to be, I think, a given one. We have to definitely give them a little, their own little moment right here for a second because, yes, I think that when you look at what this team has done, it's absolutely moved them maybe a middle inch up in the right direction, which is almost impossible to not move and progress better than you were when you had Urban Meyer as your hire and Trent Bolke as your hire last year. And you figured out how to screw Trevor Lawrence. I have my questions, and Dan and I and I have this conversation off, you know, off air. But I don't, you know, we talked this in our finances show last year on um, going into the draft that I had some questions about Trevor Lawrence and whether he was, you know, as great as everybody kind of makes him to be. Not necessarily he's not a generational talent, but I I didn't see that he could read defenses quick that that great. I thought there's some accuracy questions, but I'm frustrated because I feel like you're never going to be able to kind of judge what Trevor Lawrence truly is because whether you're for him or against him or you have questions or not, you will never be able to evaluate this man because he's been in the absolutely crappiest situation since Tua Tagalo has been in Miami. Like, let's look at this. What do you put around this guy? You added basically replica pieces that, and you paid them more money. Christian Kirk has never had a thousand yards in his career, yet you paid him like a receiver one. The only thing you had on your team last year was decent receivers, Levester Chanel. Even Agnew had a you know a little bit couple little run here or there. So what do you do? You double down another slot receiver other than Christian Kirk, who is best in the slot, by the way, and you add another one. 
And you look at Nelson Aguilar's contract in New England, how'd that work out from signing a guy from the Raiders who had a one-year flash in the pan, you know, comeback? Zay Jones has never had more than four touchdowns in his career in a season, got cut by the Bills, who drafted him, and played for the Raiders because they had absolutely nobody healthy by the end of the season other than basically Hunter Renfro because, you know, we have Ruggs' story, we have other things that are going on. Darren War was, you know, out for all the time. So then, then he gets to shine, I guess, in a sense. He gets a contract about seven, eight million dollars. Um, they've done nothing. They they resign. They bring back Robinson, so they don't take Evan Neal's number one pick too. On top of it, you screwed yourself out of a generational tackle who I can I consider one of the better players in this draft. Um, Jonathan Ogden possibly reincarnated in a lot of ways, and you pass on that super edge rusher, which is wonderful. But you're gonna have Cam Robinson be your protection guy for Trevor Lawrence. How'd that work out last year? Because there wasn't a lot of pressure. I have no Brandon Sheriff is the only deal I'm really excited about, and that's a deal that people seem to get, you know, kind of well, they paid him injured or prone. He's actually good. He's an all pro. You can overpay for overpay for a guy, that's fine. Evan Ingram, one year deal. Nine million too much for a guy who hasn't done anything really in his career yet. But I understand that's what you're gonna pay for a 25 year guy has actually you know people interested. And it's a one year deal. Doug Peterson hiring, Trent Bulky hiring, bringing back. There's nothing. Jacksonville had not since Trent Bulky moved, that was it. They were signed there basically signature that the season's over again this year because as you pointed out this was the same regime that made all those moves last year bet fred has come all the way from england to the great state of iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience fred is known in the uk for three things customer service bonuses and delivering the best overall experience to players need more download the bet fred sports app today and receive up to 250 dollars in free bets when signing up no emperors no movie stars just a sports book you can trust Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. And you spent money on Marvin Jones. And you spent money on drafting another professional, drafting another slot receiver. And we had the same questions last year and doubled down on that. I just don't understand what this team is trying to do. Yeah, I really just don't understand what the Jaguars are up to at this point. It's a mess. It really is. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Trevor. Yeah, um, so... But I will continue on that a little bit on kind of that division run that you're kind of talking about. Um, and I'm going to point out another team that I think definitely was a belly flop for me. And I'm sorry, Adam, but your your ending up, your Colts really kind of didn't do it for me this offseason so far. Um, I don't love the Carson Wentz move. I understand maybe they had other questions whether he was was or wasn't the answer. Your return from was basically six spots in the second round. You get to move up a couple spots in the third rounder. Um, yeah, I don't see how you're replacing that on off the field. If you're going to go get it, maybe a Jimmy G, maybe that answers your question, but I don't see how it's definitely going to answer it long-term. I don't see how it's definitely up- upgraded over Carson Wentz. The Carson Wentz had his struggles, but I also think he, people don't you know, want to give him some benefit of the doubt that that Colts receiving core sucks other than Michael Pittman, let's be real. So you had T.Y. Hilton, who's you know, on his way out and played like maybe half a game healthy last year. And, and towards the end of the season, everything was put at home on the Jacksonville game. 
I understand lost Jacksonville. The Colts lost Jacksonville the last five years. Carson Wentz wasn't there all the time. So I'm trying to figure out how this all gets put up Carson Wentz. And I didn't see anything upgraded or rest around the team that made me kind of forget what they kind of missed out in quarterback. And I would have thought they would have maybe added a really big time receiver or something else to kind of make up for, you know, moving on from your quarterback. And they have done nothing. They kind of sat on their money. Yeah, I think it was difficult for them until until adding a quarterback yesterday um, to make any moves just because I mean, nobody wants – if you're a free agent, you don't want to sign anywhere if there's no quarterback. Um, so we'll see. There's still plenty of receivers on the market. Um, it, it's an interesting one. On the other hand, uh, actually, that's a perfect segue for me because I was going to say the Falcons are there for me uh, as far as having a, a bad offseason. Um you want to talk about giving away a quarterback for a, a fraction of their value. Um, not going to, not going to sugarcoat how much the Colts lost over one off season, but Matt Ryan for a third round pick and just for one third round pick in the same off season that, um, that Wentz trade occurred in. It, it, it's an interesting move. <laughs> it certainly is. And it, it's a situation in which it's very clearly a team that is, after the what happened with Ridley and after everything else, I think that they're very clearly moving towards a rebuild. But it's hard to deny that this is a team that is was already on the decline, is getting much, much worse <laughs> as the days go by. That receiving core as it stands right now in Atlanta is not great. Um, we're looking at Zacchaeus, I believe, as our wide receiver one right now. Um, so that's tough. <laughs> I think Cordero Patterson will be starting at like five positions come <laughs> as of right now. <laughs> Probably will be. That's uh, I wouldn't lie. That's the truth. You know, I think that's a great, a great point. Um, I'm kind of torn on that move. And I think that I do think that, you know, I shouldn't say that the Colts screwed up completely. Cause I do think that was a nice kind of save in a sense. I just think that's, it's a level of questions. Matt Ryan's, his contract and using all that money to kind of spend on him is going to be the answer for that. Um, but I do think that when you look at the Atlanta did when they were in the Deshaun Watson thing, it seemed that obviously Matt Ryan's days were kind of numbered there. I'm okay with the move in one sense that you got something to get $40 million off your books. Um, and I think that basically Atlanta had to kind of, you know, cash in sooner than later with the bill kind of looming. So was it going to be now where the, as you kind of pointed out, they have absolutely nothing really in place and, you know, kind of sorry effort in the sense this season because we're really going nowhere um which you kind of saw with julio being traded last year and that kind of started moving in that direction but once you kind of get julio's you know dead money off and you get matt ryan's dead money off this team can reset in so many different ways now from actually getting him moved off their contract and their books and actually getting something in return so i do think it's not a, you know not a great move because this team's definitely not gonna be a playoff return and by kind of stretch the means when they were last year um we can't hear off the smith tell us it's not a rebuild because it absolutely is unless you somehow Pull something out, a monkey out of your butt. But until that point, you know, right now it does look like this has this situation. Absolutely. Um, you have one more team, right? Yeah. So the other one I'm going to go with is I'm going to go with the um, the New York Jets. I know that's been some moves that have been, you know, Uzma's signing was decent, the tight end. I just don't understand when you had some different moves, it kind of seemed to kind of, you know, make a jump and send talent wise, particularly on defense and overall just, you know, as adding some pieces to the, a roster that has a lot of cap space. I wasn't really impressed with their offseason so far. Um, I'm not really sure what the plan necessarily is. 
I see a lot of them coming double down when that happened last year, and I think that's a mistake. I think this team needs to continue to get more explosive. Top of that, you know, AFC West. You know, this NFC East is going to get better and better. Buffalo kind of loaded up a little bit more. Patriots are still coming. coming. Dolphins, I think, improved significantly. So you put all those kind of factors out there. This team needs to kind of get itself together, and I didn't think it did so far this offseason. Yeah, you're right. Every, everything around them has gotten so much better. And that is a team we kind of missed on, um, who, who had a massive signing a couple hours before the show today in Miami, um, getting Taryn Armstead, and they've overall had a very, very good offseason. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> have to throw throw Miami out there as a, a bit of a honorable mention belly up. Um, they've had a really good one. Absolutely. <clears throat> but with that, we can kind of move on to some players uh, specifically who have, um, you know, <laughs> had a tough off season. Uh, and you can go ahead and get us started there. Yeah, so some of my belly flops. I'm going to start off with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. I talked about Devontae Adams improving his situation. Aaron Rodgers came back to Green Bay for what? And then, that, in fact, not only did he come back, I think, for just basically looks like money, um, you helped bring Tom Brady back, I believe, because when he looked at around the NFC and he said, okay, Green Bay doesn't have a receiver. Aaron Rodgers is pretty much my only other quarterback competition in this conference. It's who else am I worried about losing to other than the Rams? So basically, why not come back for another year? Because basically I, I can just walk to the playoffs. In the AFC, we'll see how it works out because that's going to be loaded every kind of hitting on. But the NFC, oh my God, so far this entire offseason has been pretty horrible for it and overall in general, except for Tom Brady. So he's like, you know, as you talked about, they definitely had a belly up in this situation. So I think I look at Aaron Rodgers, definitely in his Green Bay Packers offense, it's definitely the belly flops for me. Aaron Rodgers is not going to have an MVP season. That's a guarantee this year. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, MVS isn't even back yet. So you've definitely lost Devontae. You might lose MVS. I mean, yeah. And- and I, I got in this discussion with somebody, MVS getting eight to ten million, you know, on top of Jacksonville's contract. MVS hasn't done anything, so what? Bringing him back really changes what? He was still number like three or four still in the offense. You brought Cobb back, so I mean, you look at his receiving core, you have nothing. <laughs> no, that, that's the point. Is that you bring him back, he'd probably be the one, and I think that says a lot more about yeah. where they're at right now than it does about MVS. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, so definitely the most interesting thing to me to watch this offseason was the Deshaun situation. Um, Everything that went into that, that criminal charges get dropped. All the civil cases are still there. We still (laughs) haven't learned much new other than he's not going to jail. Um, Yet not going to jail, immediately everyone's like, all right, (laughs) <laughs> All we needed to know, um, we're, we're willing to mortgage everything to go get this guy, uh, including ostracizing quarterbacks. So I just, you know, said what I said about Matt Ryan, but then immediately uh, Baker. <laughs> Baker gets kind of left out to dry uh, in a sense. Um, and the carousel, the way it's going, all that's left is Seattle and Carolina. And is Carolina really going to go after a, a, a Baker in, in this situation um, after having just swung and missed on Darnold and swinging and missing on Bridgewater? I don't 
know what happens with Baker at this point, to be honest with you. I I really don't know what happens with him. No, I mean, he's definitely in a weird situation. Um, and I think that it's going to be really interesting to see this kind of folds. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets flipped somewhere. But, I mean, I think I had heard Seattle earlier this week. I don't know if that's changed rumor-wise. But I think maybe he still has a chance somewhere. Maybe be a backup. But he could be easily turned into a Josh Rosen situation. Yeah. Because, again, I, I think as far as starting jobs that are, like, obviously open, it's only Seattle and, and Carolina. And even Seattle – I mean, it feels crazy. It shouldn't happen, but I could very well see Pete Carroll rolling in with Drew Locke as the QB one week one. Like that's yeah. I think feels only very Pete Carroll. <laughs> Absolutely, I don't think that. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him. I think the thing that's going to help with Baker is going to be are one of those teams, you know, kind of looking at a quarterback that doesn't fall to them, and then they kind of resort. Okay, we throw a third or fourth runner. We can pick up Baker. Um, that kind of gives me, as you know, we saw Josh Rose in kind of some situation. Dolphins' job wasn't necessarily his job. The Dolphins were one of those teams that had a pick. For, we'll throw a chance at it. We didn't get a guy in the first or second round, so we'll throw you a second rounder in the future to see if this guy could be the answer for us. Um, I think you could see maybe that happens for Cleveland, but I think they are definitely in a hard situation. Lucky kind of, you know, that Baker's deal is kind of not to the max part where they didn't resign on me or anything like that yet, so we, they kind of keep them in the books. Um, they have a pretty good cap space, but overall it's definitely a, a crappy situation for him, and it's hard to kind of OBJ thing. It's just been downhill since... Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Wild stuff uh, with that whole situation. Uh, do you have one more player? Yeah, um, so my other player is going to have to be... Oh, sorry. Um, wow, I'm drawing a blank. Because uh, <laughs> I was thinking, or we were talking about this from some of the different players that, you know, we kind of looked around the guys. With, I was one of the, the guys I wanted to give some props to you talk to the Dolphins, and I just kind of stuck in my head real quick. And I just really like what the Dolphins did overall. But some of the other belly flops that I don't, I didn't like so much was um, what happened in Cincinnati and Mississippi. About, uh, I, I think the team that is kind of going to be with it, and I think he's definitely going to have belly flops. He's not have enough. He's going to cut, going kind of chew. You're um, cutting up, Chris. Sorry. Um, I'm there. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I heard the "Are you there?" But you were very, very uh, frozen. Um, <laughs> well, back on. Yeah, pop off and back on. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, keep this thing going. Um, my second player for sure, uh, and I'll, I'll key in Chris when he gets back in here, but it, it's got to be Tyler Lockett. Um, so I was speaking on that Seattle situation um, that, that we were kind of just with a moment ago. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Lockett is in just not a great spot. Uh, he's an older-ish player. Um, who, who is now without a quarterback and on a team who is clearly trying to move away from being that passing team, um, you know, uh, and just kind of being that definitely the second receiver to DK. 
I mean, maybe a one B like if we're, if we're trying to be nice to lock it, but realistically he's a second receiver at this point, a very damn, damn good second receiver, but a second receiver nonetheless. Um, and if they do end up moving with, with true lock as the, um, as the QB one, um, I think DK Metcalf actually stands to not be that, that bad, um, with, uh, drew lock, um, which kind of leaves Lockett just kind of out there. Um, yeah, so uh, he's certainly going to have some difficulties um, in the upcoming season. So we'll kind of take a hold and hope that um, Chris can make it back in here uh, as far as um, you know moving forward. Um, let's see. I'll see if I can shoot him a note really quick. Okay, he is coming back in. All right, you look better. <laughs> All right, I cannot hear you, but you look better. Oh, I heard some sound. Yes, let's go. All right. We're back <laughs> in business. All right. So I, I went ahead and uh, kept it kept it rolling while you were gone. Um, and, and I shot out. Um, so I hope that I didn't steal, steal this from you, but I, I genuinely oh. did not hear a word you said. Um, <laughs> Tyler Lockett was, was the one that I threw out there as a belly flop for the offseason. Um, not an excitable situation for him. Well, yeah, I mean, you didn't hit on the guy actually. I don't try to hold the guy on the other side of him. That was DK Metcalf, who okay, I felt like kind of the person who definitely was having a struggle situation. Um, you you look at his offense and how many mouths they had to feed your questionable quarterbacks, even to bring a rookie in. It's not really going to answer the questions for this guy. DK's in a contract situation as well. So I think he's a lot of things to lose in this situation. I think Noah Fant doesn't help either. So I think all those different things for him. I think DK Metcalf is a guy that, you know, definitely isn't super happy right now. Yeah, no, he's definitely not a guy who's super happy right now. Although it is an interesting situation um, in which I honestly, I, I kind of included this in my, my locket piece, but I honestly don't think it's, if they do go with lock, I think the one that drops off the least is DK because at least, I mean, Drew Lock is kind of that, uh, He's the embodiment of that satirical Rex Grossman article from way back in the day, the effort I'm throwing downfield. I'm going to throw a name at you. Cortland Sutton, what happened to his his season last year with Drew Locke at the quarterback position as well? And Terry Bridgewater. It didn't really matter. Drew Locke wasn't. No, was, Drew Locke's awful. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> just with, he, had try, he had in the past tried to throw it to him, and I will give him that. That's why I was kind of banking on soup. But I'm not sure if it's the same Drew Locke or not. I think he's trying to learn to kind of control himself. And as a result, you just see a guy who's inaccurate and checks the ball down. <laughs> yeah. And if that's the case, that's going to be a problem. But I think the hope is that DK can just command such a volume of targets downfield that you can get something out of it. <laughs> um, at least that's kind of in theory what I was looking at just with how uh, in, in um, 2019 uh, with how aggressive down the field lock was. <laughs> No, and I said it was awful. Efficiency was awful. <laughs> there were definitely usually your younger yes. quarterbacks they lock onto that receiver one. 
I'm just curious to see if that receiver one in this system is going to be Tyler Lockett. I think that's one of the big differences in what you're talking about. You know, this Ram system that we're still seeing Rashawn Walton as the offensive coordinator doesn't necessarily feature a guy down the field with a, a big target receiver. They like to kind of use the receivers that can kind of run underneath stuff, some of the middle stuff. So I would be kind of surprised if Tyler Lockett's actually one of the guys who is feasible a little bit more. Why well, Kyle DK's, you know, numbers in a sense is he struggled last year, as we saw without, you know, with Russell Wilson out. And this team kind of relied on him and himself and statistically in the red zone. And if he's not the only guy and primary guy in a lot of ways, where I think, you know, Everett's a serviceable guy. They had different serviceable tight ends the last couple of years, but nobody's in the same stratosphere as Noah Fant really talent-wise with him. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see a team that kind of is going to be definitely run-oriented in a lot of ways, I think, is going to be able to kind of feature him enough. But I don't argue with you. Well, usually, you know, younger quarterbacks, and especially Drew Locke back in the, a couple of years ago, definitely threw it up for grabs. And if that's the case, then go DK. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, with that, we can go ahead and, and move on to um, specifically talking about some some of the major impact moves um, that impact redraft leagues. Um, so we're yeah, we're gonna jump right into belly yeah. up in value and redraft and and chris if you want to want to lead off there i think the one team you're definitely looking at is that denver offense as we kind of hit upon i think russ is going to definitely have this you know really good good value i think the receivers definitely have to be somebody as jerry judy kind of talked about maybe somebody people are forgetting about but they definitely have a back, back, back on their radar so you look at a lot of these playmakers we were excited about last year in denver i think it's definitely exciting about this year and if they don't kind of you know see what happens with the running back situation but Javante adams also Javante Williams, I'm sorry, can clearly be an RB1 in this offense as well. So you put all those things together, you have a lot of guys to kind of pick from this offense next year going into redraft. Yeah, Javante's a really interesting one just because I, mean, I have a hard time really buying in and until I see that Melvin Gordon goes anywhere else. I do anywhere too, but else. I just feel like even if it even just changes a little bit, even if it's like a 60-40 split, you give him a 15 to 17 touches in his offense with those kind of playmakers and Russ. Oh yeah. I mean, efficiency is good. Exactly. That's a, a guy that you're going to want in your real life. Week in, week out, you're going to be like, I yeah. got my points. Yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, just for how talented Javante is, like I would just love to see him kind of get that yeah, he's opportunity a bit Henry to be a yet. workhorse. <laughs> he could put up some monster like, not RB1 is in top 12 RB. Like he could vie for the top spot. Absolutely. If he got the spot to himself like that, that in this offense with Russ, that is a real possibility here. Um, in, in an offense in a division, which is probably going to require a lot of shootouts, a lot of touchdowns being scored from, the, from the goal line. Uh, <laughs> a lot of opportunities there with your, Short quarterback, which you might want to run it in. <laughs> uh, I mean, we saw that with James Conner just last year, a beneficiary and getting a lot of red zone touchdowns for likely that reason. I mean, exactly. maybe that was something else in their scheme. Or the, the more likely answer is they didn't trust Kyler in the red zone. <sighs> Either Kyler scores with his feet or Conner scores with his feet. They didn't want to yeah. pass. And you're seeing a soft front. And we have the kind of receivers, and you have that kind of quarterback play that can move around. It's hard to kind of lock on the running backs. So, yeah, I think it's a make great points. Yeah. Um, another guy who I want to throw out there. Um, gosh, there's actually a couple. But we're going to start out with 
Donovan Peoples-Jones in Cleveland, um, who is an interesting one to me. And I, I consider just throwing him instead in the uh, sneaky upside one. Um, but God, <laughs> it hurts me because I don't know that I think he's that gr- I know he, I don't think he's great. I, you know, iffy on him as a player overall, but with Deshaun Watson, who has had a lot of success with guys like him that can just be straight line, go down the field. And with them having already added a receiver in Amari Cooper and with them having gotten rid of Jarvis Landry, I mean, DPJ is the two right now. And I don't, I still think you're in a much better spot than you were last year. If you add Deshaun Watson, make him the receiver three. And he's just a deep threat because I, I think Watson can feed a deep threat enough that he's going to at least be worth, you know, rostering and redraft because I, I again, long-term, not that interested, but just because of the talent, but he could be worth a roster and he could be a very, very interesting best ball um, snag. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy, Definitely kind of think hitting on that Will Fuller role that Deshaun Watson kind of feature and push down the field. My only question is I have kind of, you know, I got cut off before. We're talking about this. I was talking about Deshaun Watson. I had a lot of questions about this offense in general and will Deshaun Watson be able to put the numbers up that he's used to in a sense because we haven't really seen the quarterback be asked to do too much in this offense nor put up very much big numbers. San Francisco's kind of similar situation. Um, it's hard for those quarterbacks when you're asked to hand the ball off so many often to kind of feature the receivers. Now, I think people's Jones can actually have, you know, wonderful games here and there. I just got, I'm a little curious to see what the, what the consistency will be. I think we get an excellent point because I'm actually, the guy, I'm actually going to talk about, and it builds right off what you're kind of talking about, I think Mari Cooper is in a wonderful situation. He wanted to be receiver one. You know, question who the receiver one is. And <laughs> while I question whether Kevin Stefanski has some, you know, problems using talent or multiple receivers in talent, I should say. I have no question he has to use at least one of them. So if he has a guy who can line up everywhere, like a Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen, you can line up in the slot, you can line up on the outside. The difference between him and OBJ is going to be huge in the fact that Cooper likes to learn different routes. He's not afraid to run over the middle. He's not afraid to kind of do those, those dirty routes in a sense. Uh, OBJ was kind of isn't isn't about that. So that's kind of the big, big difference, I think, that you kind of saw in his offense and how they'll be utilized. People want to throw that out there. Mark Cooper is in a slam dunk situation. And I have this couple of Sean Watson being like, you know, feed somebody. We've seen him have wonderful connections with Sean um, um, Hopkins. There's no reason him and Cooper can have a similar thing as long as Cooper stays healthy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. This is going to be a very interesting kind of situation to see how Stefanski and and company uh, really build this offense around them. There's an opportunity here for it to be really, really exciting. Um, do you have anyone else in, in this category? Or do you want to move move through? Oh, the the big ones to kind of watch out for. I think that we, uh, you know, the ones that you kind of want to monitor are definitely the, the different movement and quarterbacks. You're looking at some of the guys. How does that kind of translate? Um, you know, you, you talked about a player in particular, Javante Williams is somebody I think that you're going to have to consider taking as an RB1 next year, or at least in those first two rounds. Um, I think there's no really, you know, you can kind of talk about whether somebody else is going to kind of steal his touches, but if he's going to be out there in the offense, you know, just a here or there, a game is missed. I feel like this guy's the man as soon as he just needs that chance, kind of as you pointed out, to be a stud and then everything you kind of would want. I think this guy you have to have on your roster if you can draft him early next year. Yeah. Um, anyone who just kind of for redraft value specifically, you think had a, a, a tough shake this off season. Gibson. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I think yeah, this is the guy that we I talked agree. about being a running back one coming in last year. He's going to be the McCaffrey role. We kept hearing the last two years. <laughs> I'm still hearing you're going to get the ball thrown to him. Wonderful. But they're keeping McKissick, who's still going to have clearly a third down role. So while you might want to throw to Gibson more, that also means he's going to have less touches in the running game. They're talking about having bringing in an extra guy to kind of take off some of the extra you know, short yardage stuff. Well, if he's not scoring touchdowns or short yardage, he's not definitely going to be out there in passing situations. You're not an RB1, and I'm not sure you're an RB2, so what are you? And I think that's where a guy who definitely has had a bad shake this offseason so far, fantasy-wise. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, and uh, as an addition to that, um, Heineke was almost bottom of the league, uh, if not bottom of the league, in regards to never not wanting to dump it off to your running backs. Wentz was right there, <laughs> there behind him. You've gone from, you know, you, you keep saying that you're going to feature uh, this this receiving running back out of the backfield, but then you add another receiving running back, and then you add another quarterback who doesn't throw two running backs out of the backfield, uh, really, unless it's scripted, uh, which, you know, again, Wentz still better than Heineken. There's no argument there, but this is an, an area in which that's just not what Wentz does. If you do not tell Wentz that he's throwing to the running back, that's not where he's going to throw. He's, he would rather throw it deep to Terry McLaurin in whatever <laughs> it doesn't really matter that's not he will not be dumping it off to to gibson on second and 10 um when you know gibson just kind of like leaks out of the backfield that that's not something that's gonna happen <laughs> no probably not <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. definitely probably not so i i have to absolutely agree that gibson's had a uh a, a struggle there um let's jump into uh, the sneaky upside or hidden value one for redraft because I think that's there's a lot of interesting conversations there. Yeah, I'll throw a couple of names out there right off the top of my head. Uh, the first one is going to be Allen Robinson. Welcome back to fantasy relevance, Allen Robinson. <laughs> Woo! Yes, people are going to forget about kind of what you were. People are going to say, "Well, he's on the wrong side of the, you know getting older." What has he got left? What he's got left is Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and that Rams offense and that Robert Woods role, and it is waiting for him. And it is going to be fantasy heaven for a lot of owners next year. The other one I want to throw out to the sneaky one where I think people are going to kind of forget about him or maybe, you know, get down on this move overall. But I think the Wilson move, Cedric Wilson going to the Dolphins was a wonderful move. Um, him playing the slot. We saw Jalen Waddle be that guy who too would check down to in this offense, an offense that features a slot receiver in a lot of different ways. I think he's going to be utilized. He's going to be the guy. I know Wild is going to be kind of that. I think he's going to kind of be used as that gadget player in a lot of different ways. I mean, that Debo doesn't necessarily out of the backfield all the time. 
but you're going to see him you know, run reverses, get the ball in his hands different ways, kind of like Ayuk was when he was hurt last year. But I think the guy who's going to be really going to be that security blanket, going to have kind of the plays kind of schemed up for him in a lot of different ways, is going to be Wilson. You know, Tua loves his, his slot receiver. He loves looking for a short passing game. This passing game is going to be quick. It's going to be easy to get it out. And I think Wilson showed me a lot last year. I think he's one of those guys I was kind of waiting to see where he kind of fell because I thought he was going to be in the right place, right fit. He could really excel. I thought he was going to stay in Dallas, um, but he didn't. But I, I think that Wilson and the Dolphins are both in great situations next year fantasy-wise. Yeah, that, that is a really interesting one. Again, the Dolphins have had such a good offseason. Um, yeah, they're a really exciting team. Um, one who I, I definitely think has some sneaky upside, um, you know, kind of staying in that same region. If nobody gets added, Mariota could be a little interesting. Uh, just if, if you want to hold off on getting a quarterback early, I mean – I, I don't think I mean, he's far from being a franchise quarterback. Let's not get that twisted. But this is another guy who is a mobile quarterback at fan, in a starting role in fantasy. Uh, and those are always interesting. And great numbers uh, last year is one start. Yeah. And, and when he wasn't starting, all that he was getting brought onto the field to do was come on and run. Uh, now, we'll see whether that's how Arthur Smith uses him, that would be my biggest concern is if Arthur Smith, you know, uses that mobility more for rollouts um, and things of that nature, rather than actually, you know, using his mobility to run the ball. However, if he does, that could be very, very fruitful again in an NFC that is almost completely devoid of talent. Um, Don't start him against the Buccaneers, but you could probably get away with it, you know, against, the Saints that no longer have Marcus Williams or against, you know, a, the handful of other teams, you know, in the division and in the conference against a, a Panthers team that's kind of dog paddling right now. Uh, you know, I, I think you and I both could agree he's better than Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill was definitely a serviceable fantasy starter last year for people while he was healthy playing for the Saints. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so he's going to be a very interesting one if, you know, Either A, he's a, a fringe QB1 in the games that he starts just because of mobility. Or, worst case, he's the optimal bi-week pickup guy or guy that we had kind of preached about um, at the end of last season where you don't want to be the one left without a quarterback going into the fantasy playoffs. So you pick one up, you know, just in case your guy gets hurt. And he could be very much so one of the guys that you're like, yeah, the upside here is worth it, um, assuming he retains his starting job that long. I'll go you one one Adam. I think if Mariota is a starter and there's they don't have they don't have if they draft him, I'm not worried about the guy starting necessarily. If he's gonna be the day one starter, they don't add any other veterans, I would draft him in my in a scenario redraft league because I think this guy's absolutely going to be fantasy gold in a lot of ways. You saw Hutley last year at the Raven for the Ravens, kinda of his how he ended the season for people, kind of saved you. I had no Lamar or no quarterback. Those guys who can run, particularly against in the situation that Land's gonna be in who's going to be bad, and they're going to have to come back in a lot of games, which means teams are playing soft in the fourth quarter. That quarterback is a scramble for 10, 15 yards here, 10, 15 yards here. Next thing you know, you got your 70, 80 yards rushing, your, your fantasy gold. So I think when you look at this quarterback, Mariota's going to be a hell of an actual guy to have on your team if he's the starting quarterback for Atlanta Falcons next year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and given that contract, I really don't see them adding another veteran. I don't either. To be honest with starter. you. Uh, I, I think and, you hit nail on the head. I love, I love him. That's one of my guys too. I think that he's going to be an absolute home run for people to have in your roster next year. Yeah, uh, definitely agreed. Um, 
to a lesser extent as far as the hidden value goes, but definitely someone whose value is dropping a lot more than a, his value is dropping a lot. And I don't, I mean, I could see dropping it a little bit, but I don't think it's gotten that much worse for him. Deontay Johnson um, is, I think, getting talked about as someone who is a big loser of the offseason. I don't really see it, to be honest with you. Ben's even, you know, five years from now, he might be better than Mitchell Trubisky, but not by, like, a whole lot. Like, and not only that, we've seen Mitchell Trubisky be able to sustain a receiver, and that's what Deontay is going to be. Um, the offensive line hasn't gotten better enough. They've added one guy. They've added a good guard. Um, but they haven't gotten better enough that the running game is going to be what carries this ship. So they're certainly going to still need to continue to pass the ball. I, I think we're going to get Deontay in a very similar situation to what we just had him in. Um, and my thoughts on this aside, when the Steelers go and draft some hyped up quarterback in the first round, all of the people who are down on Deontay now are probably going to be excited about him. Um, so, you know, I don't like this quarterback class. So I, you know, that's not going to change me one way or the other. But that being said, the opinions on him are probably going to flip again this offseason anyways. So, you know, he's an interesting one for both Dynasty and Redraft that I would be, if I was drafting right now, he's someone I would I would try to buy the drop on. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm big on Deontay Johnson regardless of the quarterback, honestly. And I do understand some, you know, some curiosity. Well, he'll be able to do. Ben Roethlisberger obviously loved him and peppered him with targets, but and Mitchell Trubisky is necessarily, you know, the end all be all. We don't we kind of high. I'm not a big fan of his but fantasy wise, he was able to kind of produce different guys. And Allen Robinson didn't die under Mitchell Trubisky. He died last year under Justin Fields. Allen Robinson was a pretty good run receiver fantasy wise for the last few years. Mitchell Trubisky can feature different guys. He's different receivers have their moments throughout. You know, since he's been in Chicago. So I think those that you took a Deontay Johnson, really number one on the team. Um, I think you look at a receiver who is obviously going to be continue to be featured in his passing attack. And I think that Mitchell Trubisky being the quarterback actually could benefit him where maybe he won't get 12 targets a game, but maybe the seven targets will actually be down the field when we're two, more than two yards. And that therefore he still makes up for it. Yeah. So, so he's another one. Um, a final guy that I just want to throw out there a little bit, and this might be a little just homerism. Um, but on the flip side of that Gibson effect that we just kind of talked about, I, I think that there's a real chance that both Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines get a significant increase in targets out of the backfield with a Matt Ryan. Um, again, uh, that maybe that's more of a, a PPR thing where it's like eh, standard really doesn't change much, but PPR, it, it can definitely move the needle if, say, Matt Ryan throws – to the running backs four or five times more a game that could very well equal, you know, bringing Naheem Hines back to being the flexible quarter or a flexible player that he was with Phillip rivers and bringing JT to someone who, you know, I, I think we all agree that in a normal year where, you know, the more dynamic running backs weren't hurt, he probably can't make it to being the RB one. Uh, you know, a Matt, with a Matt Ryan, he probably still can, uh, to be honest with you, just because he, he could very well get two to three more receptions a game um, than he was going to with a Wentz or with someone who is more of the downfield passer. I think you make a great point. And Naheem Hines been a little bit skeptical on just because I have to see them actually incorporate him. I was disappointed last year how they used him. They paid him big money, and then they kind of figure out, forgot about him as the season progressed, so I'm not really sure what that deal was. 
But I definitely agree with you. Matt Ryan does love to throw the ball as running backs, and all his running backs to benefit as a result of that. Especially Jonathan Taylor, as you talked about, who clearly should be one of the top running backs on your board next year, and even more so with the passing attack now. Um, yeah. I think you make a great. Yeah, that's a. I, I absolutely think that's a great point you made there. All right. Anyone else that's uh, got that sneaky upside before we hit some of the overhyped guys? Um, I think that one of the guys jumps to my mind is look at the Tennessee Titans situation. They moved on from Julio Jones. They brought in Robert Woods. Now, Robert Woods, I kind of excited for Allen Robinson because he got that ro- that role. Robert Woods is going to probably gonna have his habituary written about him. You know, forgotten about Robert Woods. He's not going to go and die in Tennessee. And it's because of AJ Brown. This team doesn't necessarily throw the ball a lot. This guy's going to be Ryan Tannehill's one of the favorite receivers. If you look at who Ryan Tannehill has to throw the ball to, let's talk about two of throwing to slot receivers and short guys. Tannehill had different guys. We saw Westbrook snap up last year. We saw different receivers. Adam Humphreys a couple of years ago. Whenever he has that slot receiver that he can kind of go to, they will be utilized in this offense. Todd Downing has a history of using the slot receiver as well. So you put all those factors together. I think Robert Woods has a chance to kind of be forgotten about by a lot of people. But as a guy you should have on your fantasy radar going right next year, and don't forget about him. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, <laughs> that was a pickup that it hurt to see me um, see uh, a division rival go and get because I, I think that was a I good, yeah, I, that was a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a good move for the Colts. No, no. Um, all right, so yeah, let's let uh, we can send this straight back to you. Um, who do you think is going to be overhyped coming into this next season? Um, I think Michael Gallup's going to be a little bit too hyper for myself right now, where number one, he's coming off a major injury. Um, I know that it seems like he has a clear number two role in his offense. I think this clear number two role is actually going to be is already taken, and that's Dalton Schultz's role. I think that's why Mark Cooper is in Cleveland right now. Um, I think the bigger thing is they basically chose Dalton Schultz is going to be the security blanket for Dak Prescott moving forward. And I think it's going to be CeeDee Lamb's receiver one. Michael Gallup will continue to be a good receiver, a guy that you definitely have on your fantasy team. But I'm not necessarily going to make this giant leap that we're kind of predicting now that, you know, Amari Cooper is no longer on this roster. I think you're going to continue to see other guys kind of eat. You're going to see the running backs to be utilized. Probably still be out there. You're still going to see Zeke be healthier, hopefully this year, and probably still be out there being utilized. And, you know, you look around different mouths of feed. Dak has, Dak's got to kind of show me something more that he can feed all these different mouths until I can definitely jump on some of the receivers in Dallas. So I think that you also have in James Washington, another guy who kind of sneaky has similar skills to Michael Gallup. And then finally, Michael Gallup coming back from major injury. And then he's guaranteed he's going to be out there the first couple of weeks. So you put all the things in the factors on the, you know, out on the field. There's a lot of things kind of going against him in the next year where I'm not going to necessarily be drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to disagree um, for sure. Uh, a, a guy that it, it's hard for me to say that they're necessarily – I think they're a very, very good player, and I think that their situation hasn't changed too much negatively. But the hype for T. Higgins is starting to get a little past where it needs to be. Um, He's a very good player, probably one of the best wide receiver twos in the league. Um, Definitely the best young receiver two in the league. That being said, he is still a receiver two, um, and he's on a, a... a receiver too in a situation where you've got a very good running back. You've now added to that offensive line because kind of as we've uh, as we've mentioned, now that does mean that Joe Burrow is going to have a lot more time. This passing attack can get more efficient, but there, there's a very real chance that that increase in efficiency comes with a, a decrease in volume, just because you know 
If Joe Burrow doesn't get sacked on first and 10, he doesn't need to try to chuck it on third and 16. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot more second and manageable, third and manageable, especially where they opt to go with Joe Mixon um, or, or, you know, one of the other backs on third down rather than needing to get eight, nine, 10 yards. Um, you know, again, I, I just think this could balance itself out where we see more of the T Higgins. We saw the first 12 weeks of last season and not the T Higgins. We saw down the stretch and through the playoffs uh, again, think the talent's still the same. Uh, I just, you know, I, I think he had a very good hot run and I'm not going to bank on that run being the norm uh, for, again, for being a receiver too. Yeah, it's a tough one for me because I kind of look at the Tampa Bay situation where I like Evans and Godwin, where you're kind of like, who's number one? Can you both be number ones? Can and I think T. Higgins kind of benefit? They both benefit from each other because you can't double yes. either one necessarily. And as a result, right. I think that's where T. Higgins kind of has that floor, kind of feel comfortable with. But I'm with you. I don't necessarily think he's going to jump into the elite tiers now. Um, mm-hmm. But he's going to be a guy I do have a hard time because I do think he can smell double digit touchdowns and cook over a thousand yards. So that's going to be kind of hard to pass on as well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think he's fantasy viable. That's where I was like trying to preface it. Certainly think he's fantasy viable, but it's getting like where he's getting included in with with some of the other young star receivers. I just don't feel like that is quite the case. Um, I, I guess is more of where I'm coming from. Um, do you have anyone that you you think is uh, especially overhyped coming into this season? It hasn't kind of hit yet, but I well, I'm sure it probably will because it'll be talked about how he'll be utilized and he just needed a chance. I'm not buying Christian Kirk being any kind of breakout guy this year. I think <laughs> Christian Kirk is what he is fantasy-wise, and he is what he is on the field. So I'm not looking for Christian Kirk all of a sudden just because he's the guy in Jacksonville getting paid $20 million to be receiver one. is going to be a receiver one on your team or receiver two on your team. Um. One Another one that I'm just going to throw out here. We don't have to spend too much time on it because it's really not worth it. But I just have a feeling that one of these Cardinals tight ends is going to start getting some hype coming in in soon. And to be honest with you, I, just how they were both used when they each had the role individually, I very strongly think there's a chance they just cannibalize each other. That they they both get get some play uh, this upcoming season, and Ertz and Max Williams just cannibalize each other. Uh, I, I it's hard for me to rule it out. Um, you know, I, I'll throw another caveat with you though on that. A lot of Ertz's production, everybody keeps you know, his resurgence in Arizona. Hopkins didn't was like not was on one foot basically or one leg out, I should say, out there most of the time and didn't play a lot of those games either. There was no other guys to throw the ball to. They're but they're playing with their fourth receiver basically most of the time. So Wesley, I think, was was there playing a lot of time. So it's not like Zach Ertz is going to all of a sudden be the top of the food chain again this coming into the season. So I'm really interested to see as you're pointing out, add Max Williams back into the equation. Add a team that's not necessarily super tight end friendly, most of your four receivers are you know, friendly. Um, maybe it changes a because they're trying to be different moving forward, but I just don't I agree with you. I think this is not a move I'm going to say about these tight ends. I think Zach Ertz is going to be that guy. People are going to talk about how I had that run last year, and he needs to be tight end on your team, and I'm going to be with you. I'm not buying. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, We, we can kind of group all of this together because I think we've hit on most of the key – points that we would we would hit on um speaking on redraft is there anyone uh, from dynasty a dynasty perspective that you think is either has has some sneaky upside or has had a, a major increase or decrease in value from a dynasty perspective 
um, or, or that is getting some some major hype over there that isn't warranted? Uh, I think I talked about Wilson earlier for the other thing, but I think Wilson's the guy, if I'm looking at Dynasty Redrafts, a 26-year-old receiver, getting a chance to kind of be you know, a guy that's kind of under the radar right now, but I think it's not going to last very long, especially in PPR, you know, strong leagues. I think this guy's going to be one some of the two who really likes and is going to kind of feature his offense. So he's a guy I definitely would think that, you know, dance, dynasty redrafts, I try to get my hands on if I could. Uh, you, you know, you, you said uh, Wilson, and, and that I, I thought of Zach uh, for whatever reason first. Um, but then we started getting into receivers. My brain shifted. What do we think about Corey Davis? But just regardless, dynasty redraft doesn't really matter. Um, he's someone who, I mean, was getting decent volume before he got hurt, if we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, he could be an interesting one that I think gets kind of lost in the shuffle here. Yeah, I think Corey Davis had a really good connection with Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson, especially earlier in the season, they seem to be very much on the same page. My curiosity about him, though, it seems to be that the narrative coming out of New York is they need more weapons and more receivers, and Corey Davis seems to be the guy they're trying to move on from in a sense as a result. I don't think Elijah Moore is going anywhere. We need him to be utilized. You know, they brought back Barrios. So who is that guy they're replacing in a sense? <laughs> it's going to be Corey Davis. So I think that's where you're going to have to sit there and look at your offense and say, is this going to be the guy that you necessarily want to you know, get? I would probably be on the other side where I might, if I can get people kind of interested in him, I'm looking to sell because this guy could be on his third team in next, you know, by next year. Yeah, very, very true. He, he is just in an interesting, interesting spot. Um, he, is, sure he, he could be have a, he has a good chance, but he's also that he has that year left this year, but you can get out of his contract next year. So it's like, do they are you long term guy or are you not the guy? I think if he would have stayed healthy last year, he would have had a chance to kind of solidify himself. But now mm-hmm. I think they didn't. You're going to see a lot of kind of you know the push in New York to kind of add weapons for Zach Wilson. And I think adding an actual tight end is actually going to hurt him a little bit because I think Zach Wilson like having a tight end to throw the ball to. All right, cool, 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 good stuff. Um, and I just want to skip ahead, uh, cause we, we've been on for, you know, a little over an hour now. Um, so for the sake of time, I want to move to, to a piece that I find really, really interesting. Uh, I, I think that we're going to have a lot to say here on the moving forward. What are the one or two moves that you're most interested or intrigued in seeing how it works out kind of moving forward, whether that's, um, you know, cuts, trades, what have you, um, or just some maybe a little early draft, um, you know, kind of predictions or thoughts. I'm really curious to see what kind of happens with some of these running backs coming out of the draft and some of the guys still remaining free agency, and then some of their backfields that are kind of still unsettled. You see some holes still around the back, around the, you know, around the league. Um, I'm a huge Bryce Hall fan, and I, to me, I, I just – it screams Alvin Kamara to me, and I was like, where is this guy going to be? Where is he going to go? And I, I just see certain fits that he can kind of be perfect in. I'm kind of really curious to see if they can unfold. Um, I would love to see him in Tampa, this is, for example, is one of those teams. But I think there's different teams as you kind of look around the league um, and look at these running backs. That, you know, kind of draft class running back hasn't been talked about a lot, um, but you're going to have probably two or three guys usually that have been usually drafted that wound up being the starter going into the following season. So you want to kind of watch to see where that guy's those guys kind of fall. Bryce Hall is one of the top guys in my my list. Just as an aside um, to that point, because I think it brings up an interesting little thought. Um, it's really fascinating how we've kind of hit that part of the off season, 
in which I really think teams are contemplating like, ah, I want to hold off on this next tier of the free agents at running back and receiver because of how, you know, the talent that's upcoming, um, you know, with the running back class, with the receiver class, especially, um, you know, I think teams are holding off on signing the guys like MVS, who's been brought up a couple times in this show, uh, like Odell, um, you know, like Will Fuller, these guys that you're more taking chances on. Um, I, I think teams are kind of like, eh, like we'll, we'll wait off on that. Uh, like even Baker, kind of how you were talking earlier, but the, I think it goes for the running back position too. We brought up Melvin Gordon earlier, uh, Leonard Fournette's still out there. Um, you know, uh, there's another handful of guys at, at I want to see Marlon Mack get a chance somewhere. Yeah. Marlon Mack. Exactly. There's still a handful of guys who've had success in this league, both, you know, receiver, um, running back that I think we're going to kind of wait and see for them to really move until, till after, uh, the draft, uh, Landry, I believe is still out there. Julio's still out there. Um, yeah, so seeing how both of those markets kind of unfold, whether that's, um, you know, maybe I'm, you know, moving my feelings about Ballard a little bit too much, but is there a Matt Ryan-Julio reunion? Um, or do none of these receivers and running backs really move much until after the draft? You know, teams can see if they can get their young guys of choice first, and then we'll, you know, pick up the scraps afterwards. Not just that, you might see guys get moved because if you get the right team that gets the right guy, and we see like a Devontae Parker, for example, or certain guys when going farther on their deals where guys aren't necessarily strong on their teams, you might see somebody offer up the fourth, fifth rounder to kind of move on from them during the draft. So you make a great point. I think there's a lot of receivers out there to still be determined what's going to happen with them. I think the market's kind of slowing down as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Specifically, what are the Green Bay Packers going to do at receiver? I, I think that's an interesting one where – they don't just need one. Like this isn't like, Oh, they can just draft one. No, like they need a couple. <laughs> there need to be multiple moves uh, at the receiver position for, if you're the green Bay Packers. Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service bonuses and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. That's one that, that is definitely fascinating um, just to see what are they, what are they going to do. There was clear interest um, with, with them and Odell uh, when he became a free agent last time. He ultimately ended up choosing the Rams. But this time around, now that Allen Robinson is a Ram, do they, are, are they able to court an Odell? Um, I don't know. Well, they pay an Odell. That's going to be the key because that's what seemed to be the issue last year where they weren't willing to kind of open their wallets to pay him what he was looking for. Now he's going to demand even more money. 
It's going to be really interesting to see what Green Bay will be wanting to kind of commit that money to him. With the injury, it might even out, though. It, it might be about the same money because we, we've lost the concern of his fall off um, in Cleveland, but we, we gained the concern of he had a serious injury. Um, yeah. His the Rams, the Rams, the, him losing the Rams situation, I think, is a lot of leverage for him in a lot of ways. So I agree with you that it's going to be interesting to see what the cause the market was supposed to be. He's going to get eight to ten million, but I think that might dry it up. You know, once the Rams kind of are an option on the table anymore. Yeah. Um. Anyone else or anyone or thing that you're otherwise really interested in? Well, you talked um, about the receivers. I think it's I think it's a really loaded receiving you know draft class in general. There's a couple of guys who have a chance to kind of fall later into their first round if they don't go, depending on how teams kind of draft them. It doesn't seem to be like, you know, I'm not sure all these receivers are going to go where everybody's kind of predicting they are necessarily. So you look at like a Lagnon or a, a Burks and some of these different guys, I picture them in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. Boy, do I want to see the Chiefs have a receiver to add to the other side. I'll, you know, take home some of that attention from Hill. Kelsey getting a little older there. One more receiver would be fantasy gold because it's not Robinson. It's not. It's not Hardman, but they have but one of those two guys. Uh, yeah, I guess it could be Juju. I think Juju's kind of is just one of those guys. I'm not, I don't know. I, I have to see Juju kind of show me something else because it could be maybe the last two years I haven't really seen that. I was really hopeful to see them get one of those you know, big-time receivers, whether it's Lagnon or Burks or something like that. Put, get Patrick Mahomes a big-time tall receiver they can throw the ball up to. That would be very interesting. But it, it, that's another interesting point we haven't really discussed is if Juju is left alone in that role, like, what do we make of that? Um, because, you know, that's certainly a role that I think can be productive, but we haven't really seen it happen because we know that Demarcus Robinson's not the guy. We know that Michael Hardman's not the guy. Byron Pringle's not the guy, although he got a deal uh, somewhere else in, in Chicago, I believe. Um, but Pringle was the guy towards the end of the season. No, he was definitely the best new. of those three. Let's not get yeah. it twisted. No, but I, just, I just point that out because I think that you're right. He's, he's nothing special, but he definitely had a clear role as they took away Hill and Kelsey and they looked for that kind of third option. It's mm-hmm. there. It's Does Juju do something with it? I know Pittsburgh kind of had a weird situation with, with Ben, but I've never seen a receiver average like nine yards and have that many targets. And, and he does not be able to break anything. Like Jarvis Landry was kind of similar when he was in Miami, but mm-hmm. even he looked a little bit more explosive somehow. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I, I, Juju is only 25, but I, it looks like he's a 40 year old man out there to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's really interesting because he, while, I don't know, because while, while he wasn't overall performing, super super well uh the year before last he had some games that were pretty intriguing i guess uh especially namely the playoff game that they ultimately lost he was ben's lifeline in what probably should have been ben's last game if we're all being honest with ourselves mm-hmm. so i don't know i i have some cautious optimism that if he is left alone there he could be very interesting at least i think he's more than likely better than um, some of those other names that we mentioned. Um, I think that's a great point. I think he's going to be one of those guys I want to see the value is because I think if he's getting overhyped, I'm probably not going to buy, but I think if he's kind of being forgotten about, I definitely think he's worth taking a flyer on, absolutely. I guess the the sum of what I'm thinking is 
is that I think he's closer to Sammy Watkins than those other guys, but I don't know which side of Sammy Watkins he is on. Because that's going to be kind of like the line of like, he was viable-ish, <laughs> but still not quite. Um, but I, I think there's still something there. Um, it's a good comp. It's a really good one. So, so what side of that kind of can he put himself on? Again, if he is the guy, as the two. Well, I'll be honest, as a fantasy owner, I was a sucker for Sammy in Kansas City, so I would probably <laughs> take that shot in with Juju as well then. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, any other moves that you're you're super intrigued on? Um, I think that the other thing I want to kind of see is how some of these teams kind of do with the offensive line. I'm really big on this offensive line draft, and I know this mm-hmm. is a fantasy show, but I think that I think people kind of forget the impact the offensive line can have, particularly a dominant offensive line can have on your team. Whether it's protecting for your quarterback or it's opening holes for running back, all those things matter. And I think a couple of key moves for certain teams could really upgrade, um, whether it's you know, somebody falling to the right position or them kind of drafting some guy high. So earlier about Jacksonville, you know, probably not going to take Neil. I think if you know, certain these teams, like say the Giants um, or even the Jets, some of these teams that can have somebody like that, and you have a bookend tight tackle like this, and in the Jets situation, I love it to be back in him. And I, I think that's just you know, change the league in a sense. Um, I would love to see some of these guys kind of see where these linemen fall. Green's when the guards coming out. Lindemann um, center. All these guys are going to be game changers fantasy wise because they're going to open holes. They're going to be able to be good guys who you can kind of you know be followed wherever they are whenever they're out there. They're going to be great. So the Colts kind of make a jump running back position and great for Marlon, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor. You now these guys are very talented, but Nelson helps a hell of a lot when he's there, and that seems to be something that you kind of can see. So I think you look at different teams you know throughout the league. Usually when there's a good line or a couple good key linemen here or there, those teams usually have good running attacks and good passing attacks. And then the guys you're going to kind of see where you fall. There's a lot of good linemen coming in this draft. Yeah, there are. Yeah, uh, there, there are definitely um, – this is one of the better offensive line drafts that, that we've had in a while, uh, especially um, out on the ends just because I, we looked through it I think actually the last time we spoke, maybe it was towards the end of last season, but off air, uh, we kind of looked through the last handful of draft classes after a show once, and it's been brutal in the first round drafting tackles and really offensive linemen in general. And this is a class that I, I think offers some kind of like light at the end of the tunnel in a sense where it's like, not all of the linemen that are going to come out and be hyped prospects in college are, are going to be bad. Like this feels like the class where it's like these linemen are actually going to be very good in the pros. We're not projecting them to be good. Like they are good offensive linemen now. <laughs> exactly. And, and not only are they a good linemen, there's a lot of depth. There's going to be guys that you're going to be able to get in the fourth, fifth round that are going to be quality, good guys, especially the guard and tackle position, right tackle, I should say, not necessarily left tackle, but right tackle position. There's going to be a lot of guys out there. I Kennard from Kentucky jumps to my mind right off the bat. There's going to be guys that are going to be steals for some teams out there. And I think that when you look at you know, teams like the Ravens, for example, you had the right pieces. You had a Fioli or a, one of those center, the center, or you had one of those guards into that offense. What can they do? Um, the Dolphins jumped to my mind. They kind of need to figure out their you know, They added Armstead today, which is huge, which I love. Um, but that team can be dominant off the line if they added the right piece here or there. Mm-hmm. So I think you look just different teams. Buffalo is another example of jams in my mind. Buffalo's offensive line has been kind of questionable at best the last couple of years. They could kind of solidify that. What could Josh Allen do behind that? So there's so many situations where you look around the league where teams, if they have the right, you know, things kind of fall to them, where they're smart 
with their picks. They can really get good online, and that can carry you so far, especially, like I said, in fantasy-wise, that's who I always try to look for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's a really key one, is that running backs, especially to get a running back that is, is say, undervalued, but is going somewhere with a good offensive line, say, you know, like not a big-name running back, goes somewhere with a good offensive line, you think he's got a good shot to get the starting job, it's a really interesting prospect uh, from a fantasy perspective. I mean, look at look at Daryl Williams last year when when you know, Edward Hilaire was hurt. Like how productive he was. Yeah, he's not exactly. special, but if you, your line's good. You can run. <laughs> yeah, but sorry. Well, I, I, we spoke. We brought the name up a couple times. Marlon Mack was a fourth rounder who immediately went into a a starting job with a good offensive line and found immediate success when healthy. Um, fourth round pick like <laughs> this. Well, so it wasn't a premier talent. He went to UCF, USF. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that is an underrated uh, part of fantasy is kind of at least having an idea uh, of when an, a good offensive line is being built because you can get some really good value, especially at the running back position, but really overall. Um, because, you know, when you a quarterback isn't rushed into decisions, or, or especially for some of these more pocket passers, like, I, I think Matt Ryan is going to be a big beneficiary of not being behind the Atlanta offensive line that, as you and I, again, have spoken about on, off air, um, has really underperformed. I think that, you know, maybe if the scheme was a little bit different, they'd be a little bit better. Like, or they've certainly invested in that position, but it hasn't worked out. It has been underperforming. Um, and well, Matt Ryan, who is, I think he's got good pocket presence, but at the end of the day, he's not mobile. Uh, he does need the offensive line to do their part. Um, so he's going to be a big benef- benefactor there. I, I don't think that he's, I, I mean, I'm sure he's declining, but I don't think he's quite as dead as he once was, as he's been made out to be at, as much as he's an older quarterback with a bad offensive line. <laughs> no, I totally hat. agree. That definitely helps. Just jump piggyback off that real quick. I think you look at, you know, Carson Wentz needs to go off the line. And my question, if Washington doesn't add something on offensive line, some kind of, you know, pieces here or there, they got rid of Flowers. They got rid of Sheriff. I don't like that line at all. And if they don't add some kind of good pieces in that draft, it could get really ugly really quick for Carson Wentz, Gibson, and everybody involved. So I, I that's a team I'm going to be watching as well to kind of see do you actually you know take advantage. It's not only about the guys who you know do take advantage, but some of the teams that don't. And they also we think want definitely avoid some of their players in those cases as well. Yeah, I mean we've already talked about some of the red flags surrounding Gibson. If they aren't able to improve the offensive line throughout. Uh, the off season, he could be like a a flag plant in a bad way, and that like tell people to not draft Gibson too high, because even if he does get the volume that I'm also concerned he might not get, the efficiency might continue to tank. Um, yep. I, I mean, he realistically speaking hasn't been the most efficient, anyways. I think we all see the talent, um, but he hasn't been incredibly efficient because the offensive line in the interior hasn't been fantastic. Uh, and it's gotten a lot worse, <laughs> losing one one very good guard who admittedly was a bit hurt, one at least solid one, uh, Flowers having moved from tackle and becoming a solid guard. Um, yeah, it's a that's going to be a tough one for all all parties involved, really. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right. Is, is there are there any other um, big moves? Um, either going again, going into the draft or 
you know, kind of through the rest of the offseason that you're, you're keeping an eye on? Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. We... I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see with like I talked about you know just receivers kind of going through this draft whether it's do teams kind of you know acquire some of these guys you talked about that are kind of waiting whether it's for free agency or trade like I talked about the Devonta Parker some of those guys who were looking last year's or deals uh, I throw a Brandon Cooks in that mix maybe somebody offers something different decent for him is there some of these receivers who can kind of be freed um, and then of course my ultimate one is uh, Denzel Mim. I love. I just got to shout that out because I want to say I'm every show until he's free from New York or at least played at some point um, because I like to see how Denzel Mim not get screwed and if they draft another receiver I think his days in the, Jack, in the Jets hopefully he gets traded because he can't just rotting away on the bench. And that's, that actually brings me into something I wanted to throw out there as a thought before we head out. Um, I'm really interested to see where Burks goes. Traylon Burks because with that combine, I think really any anything is on the table um, with him having underperformed. I still like him as a prospect. And you know who I bet really loves him is almost anyone in the Shanahan tree, um, whether that's the Jets or specifically Miami or Green Bay um, or, or even San Francisco themselves or the Rams or someone – I think someone in that tree is going to absolutely fall in love with Traylon Burks. Um, I, I, uh, Mike McDaniel said something about how he doesn't, you know, want to try to find the next Debo Samuel because you don't you don't find that type of guy by looking for you look for someone who's special and how you can use them. But at the same time, it, it'd be hard to, to have been on the staff that just utilized Debo in that way, and then look at Burks. And not be like, I can recreate that. <laughs> no, I don't disagree. Like I said, my, my dream is to see him want to put the Kansas City uniform on. But I don't disagree that one of those teams from the Shanahan tree definitely could find a use for him. Uh, one of the teams I'll throw out there is maybe a wild card to kind of keep an eye on would be Atlanta. I think he fits that system. I think he fits Arthur Smith's kind of receiver, you know, what he would want. Um, reminds me about A.J. Brown, AJ Brown kind of what he brings to the table, that physicality. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a team, you know, that team would kind of be interested in him as well. But I think Traylon Burks, you know, combine or not, I'd be shocked if he's going to fall out of the, you know, the past early second round. Um, I think he's definitely going to be in the first round, but I think we'd be shocked if he falls any press to the early second round. But yeah, I agree with you. I think this guy's got nothing but talent. Ran a four five five, it's not like ran a four nine. Um, the guy's six foot four. He can run anything. He can do anything. He's a little bit raw still. I think he's got, you know, got to work on his his technique a little bit when it comes to route running. But it's not something I don't see in the hips. I think you know, you know I talked about this before on other shows. You kind of look at the hips to see can this guy translate. I think he shows you all the skills you want to kind of see. And then, to me, he might be so much of Terrell Owens. And he's like a man beast out there. I just can't wait to see him. Yeah, no, I, I'm super excited about him. And again, it was just so like, like I could just so see it that some Shanahan team, especially because a couple of them do need receivers. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I agree. I think seeing him somewhere that doesn't 
pigeonhole him in a sense into that role would be nice. Like a Kansas City would be super cool or or a handful of other teams like you've mentioned. But it would also be pretty interesting to see kind of that that dual threat role. Um, I can just see him in Atlanta next year, like I said. Him and Cordell Patterson is getting the ball from Mariota, and they basically run like a wishbone offense. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> real possibility. Um, is that, yeah. <laughs> they need as many people who can play as many positions as possible in Atlanta. There's, I will give there's, them that. If you have Pitts, Cordell Patterson, and Brooks, you'd be a hard team to match up with. I will give you that. You'd have a hard team that, you know, I wouldn't really know who to stick where on who. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> They're just all matchup nightmares. They no <laughs> no consistency, but the matchups. <laughs> well, that Mariota would be a great value again. They'll go back to your point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, he he's one specifically in the draft that I'm really eager to see. Um, you know how where he goes and what that means for how, kind of what role he finds himself in. Um, because he, I, I I like that you brought this up. He could very well go somewhere and be treated like A.J. Brown, or he could very well go somewhere and be treated like Debo Samuel. And really, neither one kind of would surprise me all that much. The one that worries me is Lebeska Chenault's treating, and it does he get stuck in a role where he's not utilized properly at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. He's, again, he's just super, super interesting to me because – it could be all over the place as to far as far as what we see of him in the NFL. Um, yeah, that's the last move that I really wanted to highlight. Unless you have uh, have anything else? No, I think that's I think I, I love Traylon Burks. We'll leave it with that. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so that's what we have for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, of course, this is our first time back for the off season, but we'll. We'll be we'll be getting back into this uh, what probably every two weeks moving forward. Yeah, we'll continue to break down the off season. We'll kind of keep you guys updated as we get closer to the draft. We'll continue to kind of keep you know belly up out the nation out there, kind of afloat what we need to you need to know basically what you're looking for. I think Adam mm-hmm. and I like to make sure you guys are aware you know, when you're watching the draft when you're looking at free agency and these moves, what you're kind of making note of for fantasy wise moving forward. I know for yourself, you do those dynasty leagues, and I think this is probably the prime time that you're kind of looking around. Uh, I was asking this question you when know, we ended with the show here. I asked a question around the other day. You know, when Dynasty guys, which I'm dying to get into at some point, I think, um, are you more excited when it comes to free agency with, you know, right now? And is it more of a kind of buzz around that? Or is it the draft that causes more of the buzz? So I was kind of curious which one is the one you kind of like most look forward to or get most excited about. It's a little bit of both, but I think um... – I think the draft is very much so like the real NFL in which the draft is a lot more sustainable um, because I, I think there are a lot of people and, and to an extent me included, like I, I took the risk on, I, I bought Jerry Judy in uh, February kind of hoping and praying that they would get a quarterback. Uh, but I, I, it's a lot of that when you're, you're making those moves kind of preemptively before free agency. It's like, all right, I'm going to hope that this guy goes into a position where they're improved rather than getting worse or staying the same. Like, you know, I very well could have done the same thing instead of got Noah Fant being the same or worse situation, um, you know. So I think the free free agency, there's a lot of buzz, but I think the draft is where there's a lot more real 
value to be had, even if you're not a, a rebuilding team, because what's interesting about dynasty. And I think it's gotta be some kind of you know, philosophical thing. The value of draft picks always without fail spikes right before the draft, you know, for all of, all of last uh, season, it's saw ah, this next draft isn't going to be that great. It's not going to be that great. The quarterbacks aren't that great. You know, the receivers are still pretty good, but the running backs aren't that great. But then as we, we get into the off season, people start to fall in love with their guys. They fall in love with some receivers. They fall in love with, you know, Malik Willis. And, and I'm seeing a lot of Desmond Ritter love and things of that nature. But people start to find their guys. And then by the time you hit draft day itself, Draft pick's worth a whole lot more than it was in, in say, December. Um, so that, that's always really interesting. So even if you're not necessarily trying to, you're trying to trade a draft pick for a veteran um, around that time is super, super interesting because it's not just drafting draftable players. It's, you know, making some trades with those picks uh, when the value is a little bit different than it was a few months prior. I I was just always curious about that because I know I you know, I saw off season stuff my favorite time of the season. Um, I'm always you know wondering what's going to happen and curious. I was always wondering from the dynasty you know guys that how do you kind of take that and I I wonder if it was a draft or you know, free agency and I could see both of them kind of be exciting as you pointed yeah. out. Oh, yeah. they're, dope, a bit, you know, they're both very kind of exciting. Um, again, I just think is like a target for making moves. I think it's a lot more sustainable when you do them around the draft. Um. Speaking of the draft, uh, before we get out of here, um, we'll be doing a draft show through Belly Up, hosted by you and Dan, right? Yeah, um, we're going to be covering the first two days, you know, rounds one, two, and three. Um, so yeah, definitely tune in. We're going to have different guests kind of breaking down the show. We're going to be covering not only this, you know, the NFL aspects we kind of do it here, fantasy as well, and also some betting. So we're kind of yeah. covering all the bases. I think there's one of the few shows that actually does all that, and you kind of keep you abreast, win your money, win your leagues. And help your team hopefully one gets right players. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be uh, appearing a couple times throughout both days. So we'll yeah, definitely be sharing this knowledge and giving us keeping us in the loop of who we can keep our eyes on. Those, those Elijah Moore's of the worlds. Yes, yeah. So uh, I'm definitely uh, super stoked for that. So I'm I'm glad we brought up the draft here at the end. Um, otherwise, before we head out here, what's going on with the Belly Up MDFF show? Uh, what what are you guys cooking up over there? Yeah, we're still we're kind of diving into our off season as well, and we kind of been wrapping up talking about you know continuing to talk about the, some of the free agent moves from the trades, how it's kind of impact moving forward, getting a little in depth, for, you know, going through each one of them, breaking it down, how's this going to impact moving forward. Um, Dan likes to kind of you know cover the different aspects we kind of did in the show, the coaching, also the free agency, how that all kind of plays together, and then going through some of these different storylines. You know, all these quarterbacks really in a better situation. Is it going to be kind of there's a heightened the ground in the sense in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think a lot of you know situations are going to be really interesting, especially I think it's going to be a few off seasons I've seen you know, recent memory with so much quarterback movement and so many changes that it's going to really impact fantasy next year. Where you're going to see like how does this really change the boards in so many ways? Where you can't just kind of go in where you have your top quarterbacks and this is guys and this is who's going to be. A lot of other guys are kind of discussed now. Yeah. Yeah, the shuffling this off season has been again it's super insane and it's <laughs> thank you Rams. exactly exactly uh but yeah it's just super insane because looking ahead it felt a lot like 
it was going to be in a situation where a lot of teams are going to be left out. Now it feels kind of the opposite where a lot of quarterbacks are going to get kind of left out the way things feel right now. Because again, the only two holes I really see are Seattle and Carolina. We've got, you know, a, a very volatile, I guess, quarterback class upcoming, but at least a couple are going to go in the first two days. Uh, we've still got Jimmy G. We've still got, uh baker so i mean there's going to be some interesting names kind of on the outside looking in as far as the quarterback position goes uh i don't know it's a really interesting uh situation yeah those two situations in particular seattle and carolina just real quick i think they're the ones i'm really curious because you got two receive you got decent weapons in place you got christian mccaffrey and robbie anderson you know dj moore and then you go in seattle we talk about the further weapons they have in place so not a bad situation for the right quarterback it's interesting to see who that quarterback will be yeah absolutely um and these are some of the things as far as uh these ideal landing spots for some of these rookies that i think will be uh hitting kind of moving forward throughout the rest of the offseason so make sure that you you tune back in here and we can get uh, much deeper into some of those topics uh when, when you come back um but until then next time thank you so much <laughs> from free free mims <laughs> free mims bet fred has come all the way from england to the great state of iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience fred is known in the uk for three things customer service bonuses and delivering the best overall experience to players need more download the bet fred sports app today and receive up to 250 dollars in free bets when signing up no emperors no movie stars just a sports book you can trust Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.